0: Welcome, one and all, to Strange New Worlds, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing frequencies are open.
1: Are you going to backseat drive me? Strange New Worlds, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, for episode 210, Hegemony, comes to you now via Break in Case of Gorn, Crate 32.
0: And just a bit of fleet news before we launch into the episode. Pete, if you believe what they're saying, in 10 days' time, Ahsoka will have its uh, scheduled two-episode premiere on Wednesday, August 23rd. Looking forward to that. Pete, every time the marketing says that that date is still on, I still have what Princess Leia and Captain Pike call hope we podcast star wars saturdays with our final
1: ahsoka preview this coming week um matt meanwhile in promotional material an actor's voiceover hints at a much buzzed about appearance we will of course discuss that in our final
0: preview I'm excited. I don't know what that is. I'll have to wait until the podcast is recorded. Wait, wait and listen to see what you have to say about that. Uh, Of course, Pete, as the sun is starting to set on season two of Strange New Worlds, we are looking ahead to Lower Decks returning in September we will do our season four preview on Sunday, September 3rd. Uh, of course, the premiere of Lower Deck season four on Thursday, September 7th. And looking forward to continuing the Star Trek Sunday tradition there. Seeing here, Matt, is the
1: focus shifts from live action to animation with Lower Decks, can they pull people over, especially considering the crossover
0: event uh, this season? We also, a little bit farther on the space radar, September is going to be the 10th year anniversary of Fantastic Geek, so we have some plans that we are, we are putting together, so uh, looking forward to that. Pete, anything else you want to tease at this early point? This our
1: hard anniversary, the soft anniversary beginning back in the spring, and we've run some stuff out, going to be running even more as we get closer and closer to that date, in september so check it out in the clear check out some special stuff coming to patreon
0: Pete, in the larger industry news the writer's strike has passed the century mark this week uh this time last week there was a meeting to discuss meeting that ended poorly since then there's been a meeting to discuss more things and the fact that the the fact that the buzz coming out of that meeting was not negative uh, insofar as the Writers Guild said uh, we had talks and we are going to let them continue to play out. We're not going to characterize them to the to the membership. Uh, the lack of negativity I take as a positive sign, albeit at this both early and late stage. This deep into a strike, and we're coming
1: up on the number from the last labor stoppage in 2008 so we will soon surpass that uh any discussions at this point are positive
0: and pete i know i saw some sketchy reports uh on lower level websites this past week about uh, essentially the the disparity between when the Writers Guild went on strike and when actors went on strike and how that may or may not have impacted season three of Strange New Worlds. What can you say to clarify the issue?
1: I am not permitted to use names. I can tell you directly from the production, a coordinator of a department uh, who uh, says that they were uh, deep into... Uh, preparations for season three when the writers guild strike hit so nothing nothing has been filmed for season three uh they were days away matt it's gonna be 2025 at the earliest
0: well pete as we start to turn into this episode one more reminder that we will be having our stranger world season two wrap discussion next sunday so listeners can start to prepare their thoughts and feedback as we look back at the season as a whole but for now let's head into this week's mission briefing
1: a star ejects Coronal energy as the Cayuga orbits the colony planet of Parnassus Beta, just outside Federation space, on Stardate two three four four point two. When Captain Patel explains the colony's founders modeled it around old mid- Midwestern towns in Toronto, the mission is to stabilize their agricultural crops and provide vaccinations. Nurse Chapel is helping with that as she hitches an early ride to her fellowship under Dr. Corby. With a lot to do before she ships out, Chapel beams up. The busy Battelle receives a staticky call from Pike, who is no longer bursting into song every so often, but she says uh, he should go through her yeoman to book an appointment next time especially with the complicated nature of the colony struggling with the decision to join the federation which could protect or place a target on them
0: in this town from which patel is calling which looks surprisingly similar to the town in reacher uh, mm, made it. in toronto <laughs> uh, made in toronto as a self-sealed uh location that everybody inside could be covid safe and so forth just really weird how i guess pete those uh you know colonizing apprentices beta were big fans of the reacher show that the old-timey reacher show on amazon um but as they are there um an interesting character moment here patel of course you know recapping some of these challenges as did you pete pike is ready to help Ready to give her advice and she interrupts. She is a pro after all. Pete, a real men are from Mars, women are from Venus kind of moment here. Pike, let your lady handle her thing here. She doesn't need you to handle it for her. Uh, But with that, Pete, the signal is lost. That FaceTime signal. Uh, But it's not just Battelle and her her Apple device here. Um, As she talks with uh, Ensign Apple, I guess no pun intended there, they note uh, a, a ship. Falling from the sky. Further inspection shows that it is a Starfleet shuttle. Uh, it crashes in the distance. Uh, ensign, uh, Apple or Appel, get more info from the ship. Hey, Ensign, pay attention, but wait, what's that over there? It's something massive coming into the atmosphere, covering the place in shadow. Independence day, the movie style. Uh, with that, we cut to the Enterprise Bridge, where there's a partial message from Batel. Being received by the ship. Uh, Battelle needing help. The colony under attack. Attack by the Gorn. Pike orders to get there ASAP and calls April. We see that call with April in the ready room. Uh, And it's noted by the Admiral that this is a tough time. Particularly what's happening is technically outside of Federation space. So this attack, if you want to call it that, is not really an attack on the Federation Uh, Pike calls the Gorn monsters, and it is April who gives the Star Trek wisdom here that monsters are what you call those that you don't understand. Pete leaving us as we watch, saying, But wait, I remember the Hemmer episode. That made me sad. The Gorn were baddies. I remember Kirk v. Gorn. They seemed pretty baddie there and so forth. So here, the episode asking not just Pike, but we, the audience, to assess, reassess, some rather basic held Star Trek views.
1: April authorizes recon only to avoid aggravation of this conflict, acknowledging Pike and Battelle's relationship, but emphasizing the need for clear-headedness, which Pike claims uh, won't be a problem as they arrive at the far side of the colony's moon to find what's left of the Cayuga.
0: In the credits, we see this episode is written by your co-showrunner, Henry Alonso Myers, and directed by Maja Vrillo. Back into the episode, there's further pondering over the debris. The Enterprise starts to scan, but all of a sudden, scans not working, at least in certain directions. Uh, We have some issues with transporters' communications as well. That's right, Pete. There's a counter-frequency signal that is happening uh, and Pike here looks worried, and I would say, Pete, Anson Mount, uh, either as directed by the script or as discussions with the director of the production and so forth, or maybe just an acting choice, I would connect this look of worry to his sense of inaction at the end of the episode. Let's not forget, Pete, he is not a combat veteran, and this is a situation that increasingly is... One that uh, I think would favor those with combat experience, uh, as and we see that as the episode goes on. But this moment of worry and tension,
1: the shattered saucer here swirling above the colony, eyes lowered, uh, but no assumptions. As he orders Spock to scan for life signs, escape pods, but scans, comms, transporters down. Courtesy of a counter frequency emanating from the planet, which Laon believes might be a Gorn interference field deployed during invasions like she survived. Pike pushes them to think through this since Battelle was on the surface when their call cut out. Number one reminds them survivors below would be trying to help, um, to reach help. Uh, And Hora says they still have line of sight. So Pike orders observation. Spock detects a warp signature as a hunter ship shows up. And Uhura receives a secure message from Starfleet that they've been contacted by the Gorn with an image of a demarcation line. The Enterprise has been ordered to maintain its side as Pike urgently orders the command crew to the ready room.
0: Pete, some people saw that image and said it's nonsensical because what will happen to the planets as they go around the sun and they'll be on the other side of the line. Uh, that's not the point of the map at the moment. The map is good side Federation, bad side Gorn, uh, or vice versa, I guess, depending on your 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 loyalties. But in the ready room there, Pike saying that he is committed to helping any survivors all uh, albeit. That being against orders, uh, very quickly the crew assembled there with him. Number one saying, uh, "Indeed, I'm sure all the crew is with you." Uh, Sam Kirk shows up; he's ready to. Uh, I don't know that one normally, you know, busts into a command crew meeting thusly, but you know, Sam Kirk, beloved uh, recurring character on the show, he's ready to help. He wants to help study those Gorn up close with a phaser. It's the best way to decide how to kill them. Uh, we're getting some good stuff here from Sam Kirk. It is at this point that La'on reminds everybody that phasers might not be enough. Well, actually, says Pike, let's have Chief J send in Crate 32 with authorization. Pike opens it up. It is a Gorn protocol box. Kind of, it's a break in case of Gorn, Ortega says. We have tricorders that now detect the Gorn upgraded phasers, nitrogen grenades that will freeze up the baddies. Pete, I'm sure we're going to see use of a nitrogen grenade in this episode. Okay, maybe we don't. But Ortega's notes, fine, we have these tools, how do we get to the surface? Uh, the idea being that perhaps they need to plot the right course.
1: Pike thinks they just need the right pilot, and Number 1 sees no way to the surface without getting in sensor range of the hunter ship. Ortegas wants to use Kyoga's debris to mask their descent, and she has been bugging Pike for months to join a landing party. Uh, Ortegas pilots a debris-shrouded shuttle carrying Pike, Lon, and Benga, and Sam as the bridge monitors the old zombie movie trick. Spock has seen movies but never zombies. O'Hora notes the uh, shuttle leaves scanner range and the debris flakes off as they enter the atmosphere. Roughly, Pike asking Ortegas uh, if she'll start the engine soon as she's waiting until they're under 1500 meters to stay below scans, a trick she did a hundred times during the Klingon war. They plummet toward the tree line, and she pulls them up just before, prompting Pike to pant. She thought he was a test pilot, but he says she was born for this.
0: We go back to the bridge where Spock is trying to find a frequency gap in the block field, looking for pockets of oxygen in the Cayuga saucer uh una knows that he is actually looking for chapel this is a, a, a lovely scene built on subtext and trust here uh he spock reminds una that uh he and chapel had a fight that was how things had been left all things seem trivial in the face of death um again i really appreciate the honesty between the two of them particularly in light of the q and a short trek and kind of the the I don't know, the subtext between the two characters. Spock here sets a story clock. The Cayuga saucer rotates every two hours. Hey, sickbay may be visible shortly. Mitchell says, let's take a look. And sickbay is gone.
1: On the night-shrouded surface, Pike spies a device. La'an saw something similar to in her time on the breeding planet, Her brother, Manu, thought it was a beacon to trap passers-by. Pike thinks it's the source of interference. Looks like the people on the planet made a stand in some of the buildings but lost. Pike notes there's 5,000 residents and bound to be survivors. Sam picks up a bogey and La'on drops the youngling with the new phaser harmonic settings Sam questions why a youngling would defend the tower. La'an says they spread their eggs to soften the planet for conquering. Benga notes it looked hungry, possibly indicating no more survivors, but Pike has hope they're hiding. Sam sees dozens of Gorn on the scanner, and they bounce into the barbershop where they brace the door with a bookcase.
0: Back up on the Enterprise, Uhura needs help from Pelia. Uhura is trying to understand how the Gorn may have blocked comms. She has a theory, a crazy theory. Pelia loves crazy theories. On the surface, La'an thinks it's odd to see the younglings working together. Pike notes that perhaps it's a way to find some way to reach the Gorn. He is ever the optimist. He says that sometimes hope is a choice. Laan adds that Patel is tough. If she can handle Pike, she can handle the Gorn. Meanwhile, Sam has found a human signal down the street. They go there, there's gristle everywhere, uh, hanging from the ceiling in parts. They follow the signal deeper and deeper into the carnage. Uh Laan uh thinks that or wonders if they're being careful enough. Uh ultimately, Sam's tricorder takes them to a device not a person a a fake signal creator if you will with that force fields go up our heroes are trapped Then there's a man on the other side of the force field uh they've ended up in what is a gorn trap it uses uh human type auditory and pheromone signals blast those out in regular intervals oh wait he's going to lower the field pete who is this 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 young man this is Lieutenant Junior
1: Grade Montgomery Scott dropping the force field for a lot of lieutenants. Laon does not recognize him from Cayuga's roster, but he's from the solar research vessel Stardiver that was one system over when the Gorn surprised them. He was the sole survivor in a jury rigged shuttle. And figured out how to hide in plain sight. So, what we saw at the beginning was Scotty crashing. Uh, Pike asks about the Cayuga crew, and Scotty shows him to the survivors, including a bloodied Patel, who calls Pike an idiot for endangering himself and his crew, too. She says they can't all fit in a shuttle. That would get shot down but scotty was in the shanghai system when its red giant released a series of coronal mass ejections or cmes and the gorn swarmed sam notes the similarity to locusts in terms of how they are influenced uh and then feed ma'an uh, has seen how Gorn communicate through light and Sam suggests it's part of their evolution.
0: He also has figured out that they recognize each other by these transponders. It's impressive that he has developed the the understanding so quickly. He can make a shuttle look like a Gorn ship. Well, it works, but it barely works. He crashed here. He can't make another, not without a specific solar scanner, which, of course, our heroes have not randomly brought down. We move over to Mbenga, who's happy to have help from Ortegas. Mbenga reminds her, and I would dare say reminds us, that Chapel beamed up. I know we saw it, Pete, but so much has happened. Scotty is here. Um, And, of course, the fact that she did beam up, that's not great news, given the state of the saucer. Uh, Chapel would want them to pick up the pace. Uh, and they indeed do that while sharing some thoughts in her, perhaps memory, on the Enterprise. More Gorn ships have arrived on their side of the line. Uh, number one noting that uh, they can't make the red alert any redder, but Uhura and Pelia have an update. Uh, by checking the signals, they believe that there is a source to this interference field thing that it may be at a specific location pete that's the location that we've already seen if only they could communicate uh the theory being that if they could destroy this beacon they'd be able to start beaming out communicate back to starfleet for help and so forth of course weapons can't be fired uh pelio reminds everyone that the thing being ignored here is the space debris so if uh the enterprise could use the cayuga saucer section uh, to to take down this beacon, that could be the solution for everything. A few well placed retro rockets could fake a natural fall, then change course at the last minute. Boom, knock out that blocking device. Uh, Pete, uh, Spock claims he's the only person who could do this. I know he has emotional reasons to do so. Nobody kind of pushes back and says other people could fly a space suit too. Maybe Pete, because they, they feel his intensity.
1: He says no human can do
0: it, but he's half human.
1: Um, but we go along with it because we buy character and story. Uh, on the surface, Pike tells Battelle he is going to try to find Scotty's shuttle, and she's not going to let him go alone. Uh, and the device is fused in there, so they're going to need the engineer too. Scotty is terrified, but owes it to his crew, and they head the back way, Pike tossing him an enhanced phaser. On the Cayuga wreckage, oxygen, we're told, ad infinitum, Matt, <laughs> is reaching critical levels, and Chapel comes to in a corridor and restores enough power to give her an hour of life support.
0: Are we rhyming, Pete? Is the song about <laughs> to return? I'll start
1: singing, I promise. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: she also finds a flashlight in an emergency pack there and spots the Enterprise through an, a window using the flashlight to try and signal the ship, but it stops working. Just as Spock is heading over in an EV suit with the rockets in tow and magnetizes to the hull to place them He just happens to pass by the window Chapel is looking out of from before, but of course can't see her or hear her, and she runs to the conspicuously placed EV suit in a case behind her from earlier in that scene.
0: At Scotty's crash site, Pike, Battelle, and Scotty enter the wreckage. He will need help pulling off the fused part, uh, all of a sudden, there's a youngling there. Pike has misplaced his phaser. Tension here. Pete, classic Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cross-cutting here, okay? We go back up to the Cayuga, where Chapel hears someone putting in a comms code. Indeed, the wrong... Uh, pardon me, not comms code. Command code. Um, but it is not Spock there to save the day. It is a large Gorn, uh, sentient, wearing its own EV suit. Uh, and Chapel quickly hiding, then eyes a, uh, a Jeffries tube. We go back to the shuttle where Battelle stares down that youngling. Tension, Pete. Will it rip her face off? No, instead it runs off. Uh, she notes that they got lucky. We immediately sensing something else. She mm-hmm. says they shouldn't waste time questioning it. We still sensing something else. Uh, and Scotty continues to work as Pike processes what just happened yes uh,
1: the alien three maneuver there bat uh Spock placing another rocket this time in the bridge and the Gorn spaceman sneaks up on him. we see the tail first and then it slaps the phaser out of his hand. Chapel coming in and getting slapped around as well before Spock intercedes and gets choked out by the tail as Chapel, Reaches for the phaser. I like the way they used like the railing that she's bracing her foot on so she doesn't head out into the openness of space, uh, grabbing it, shooting the Gorn spacesuit, giving Spock a chance to crack its helmet with a pointy piece of debris and depressurizing it until it is dead.
0: I think that uh scientifically, I somewhat question as to why this booster is on the bridge inside of the bridge space. Could you make some sort of physics argument that like it's gonna blast in a certain way to sure, I think that I think that's scientifically, I think that's maybe not a hundred percent, but understanding that this scene is about claustrophobia and this scene is about this the slow chase of this weightless battle here, and understanding that you need to put actors on wires and maybe you don't want to overdo the green screen LED thing here, particularly in a fight scene like this, yeah, probably hanging these two actors and your uh, portions of the Gorn presence here are by a guy in a suit. I don't know if that's just for onset reference or how much we see it, etc. But you want to hang three people from wires. Doing it on the bridge set does make more sense than in front of the led uh for for dramatic purposes we head back to the shuttle again pike now wanting the truth from Patel. she reveals that indeed she has been sprayed upon by the gorn uh she says that the eggs mature in a day and a half and, and this egg laying happened a day ago so major story clock now set uh, we go back to the Cayuga, where the saucer section is slowly, <laughs> though increasingly, starting to fall into the uh, atmosphere. Uh, love the use of the the bridge ceiling dome, of course now gone with all the damage. Spock and Chapel up and out as the Cayuga falls. It's really a visually stunning view here, and uh, and kudos. To the production, again, I think the the smart being we were in an enclosed space in the prior scene, uh, the prior Cayuga scene. Now we are in the vastness of space. So, again, the science of having the, the the thruster in the bridge, I'm a little iffy on, but visually, dramatically, it definitely works. The
1: emotional thrust to the scene with the clasping of hands in the openness of space back down to the planet where Battelle won't endanger anybody with her infected status, but Pike won't give up. Hammer Hem- is invoked. He didn't give them a choice, though. Battelle wants to pilot the shuttle into the Gorn Tower and give others a chance. Uh, Scotty alerts them to brace for the Cayuga's impact, dropping the interference field. Spock contacts Enterprise to be beamed in with chapel number one raises pike who orders her uh to beam up the survivors spock and chapel beam in and number one puts her right to work in sickbay bay and needs spock on the bridge spock apologizes to chapel uh and she says they'll talk later the survivors on the planet gather including Mbenga, Ortegas, La'an, and Sam, who beam out with a different-looking signal.
0: And we cut to Pike, Patel, and Scotty beaming in. This is a wonderful use of editing, a wonderful use of a storytelling lie that I don't think we are complaining about. We see some people beamed up, some people beam down. We know that there's different locations, but in the moment, everything feels fine. And I would agree with you, Pete, the Gorn transport signal, different, but it, this is a far cry from, you know, Star Trek Next Generation, the Klingon mm-hmm. uh, transport, is red and goes... Blah, 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 it, like it was
1: visually different enough, though, to go, wait, what? And it was foreshadowing.
0: Yeah, it it, it was the perfect balance to... to have it all happening at once and have us feeling good feelings and all that i don't think that at this moment when pike Patel, and scotty um are stepping off of the transport pad mm-hmm. i don't think that we are saying this is going to be a, to be continued like everything feels no, like they, it's...
1: oh we cut to sickbay they, they are in the transporter room and chief jay has them
0: exactly exactly w- within the pike Patel, scotty moment here um Battelle is going to be put under sedation and into a stasis field, Pelia and Scotty meet or re meet. She says, Hello, Scotty. Uh, Pete, you might recall that there's another, there's, a, there's also a, a character later in the timeline called Scotty. I think it's the same guy. Um, she notes that he was one of her best students who received some of her worst grades. Um, however, together they're going to try and fix the the Gorn device that he has created. Pike enters the bridge. Now told that a Gorn destroyer has arrived. More are on the way. It's time to transport those survivors. But wait, Pete, Spock has news. Yeah. Uh,
1: as the four to one advantage with more on the way uh, is building against the Enterprise, um, Pike needs Uhura to get that critical intel about the cmes to starfleet um and they need to buy time to transport Lon, ortegas sam umbenga up with all the colonists but spock detects no life signs on the planet pike says that's impossible he was with them has him check again and reads them they've been beamed up by the gorn fire on them
0: and in what is not a lot of time left in the episode you really get the sense how the enterprise is being being shaken by the attacks here uh kudos to Celia Rose Gooding, who really plays the the moment of of her her chair being hit as kind of like whoa that was especially you know an especially big hit uh in sick Bay Chapel is setting up that stasis field uh, in the corridors we see Uh, engineers and others rushing to work. Um, Again, the ship hit very hard. Uh, April has given an order to immediately withdraw. Pike knows there are orders. Uh, However, he also knows that the Gorn have the survivors. Pike, who, again, sat out the war, sat out battles like this, seems overwhelmed and frozen. Uh, He stares at the oncoming ships, stares into the camera for the second season finale, Uh, which is to say, for two season finales in a row, stares into the camera as we cut to black, and we are told what, Pete? To be continued. Pete, we have an incoming threat analysis for this week's episode. Let's start with The Gone. We have,
1: in the faceless threat the ship show up first right then you've got the hunters later on we have the destroyer and there's more inbound and there's the space fight stuff but then on the monster level to get not only the younglings which we've seen before and I don't know if we're meant to You know, we'll we'll talk in theories, hey, wait, they're cooperating versus before uh, they were trying to tear each other apart and they're territorial. And Lon tells us they'll fight for dominance and one will emerge and then become the Alpha. And and that'll be, you know, an even greater threat. Um, This other version that we see donning a spacesuit to go into the wreckage of the Cayuga
0: and it's such it's such a great creature design it it reminded me you know i think Pete those of us those of us who never watched classic trek when it originally aired um probably missed out on how that was a really uh, that was a really amazing costume for tv in the 1960s and a, a quite good costume i would say for film at the time as well Um, And it's it's with rewatch and rewatch and rewatch of arena that you see things like here's where the fight choreography has slowed down. Here's where Shatner is slowly spinning his fist, you know, all kind of the 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 cheap 60s TV aspect. That's what we see now in arena as opposed to, you know, this is your one shot to watch this new Star Trek episode because reruns are barely a thing. And there's a lizard guy in a great suit, you know, we're, we're evoking the best of that in the Gorn here um, and the creature design and then now they're in the EV suit and it's just, it's just fantastic. Let's use our long-range sensors to scan for some theories. Pete, let's start with this. With Batel definitely alive at the end of this week, has her stock risen to likely surviving... Into season three. I don't mean even in the beginning. Like, is she a survivor for season three?
1: Does she get to season three? Yes. Does she survive? I, I think we're very much still in the same space. You know, I know we had asked the question on social media. Does she go? Um, and more people seem to think she does versus not. Probably with the understanding that ultimately... The scarred Pike winds up in the blissful, uh, you know, imagination with Vina on Talos IV, uh, not with Patel. So it either doesn't work out, or she's no longer around. The clock here is on no longer around. But boy, we leave this moment of highest tension. With even more tension because the wait's going to be even longer.
0: I'm going to propose that she she does survive. I think that there. I think that you can break up Pike and Battelle. Kind of, the show can do so on its own time and then lead into the the return to Vina and all of that. I I don't know that you need to kill Battelle, Kill this fantastic, independent, self-driven female captain slash lawyer. I don't know that you need to kill her off to take her away from Pike, but at, at some point in the far off future, we will find out. Uh, Pete, speaking of the future, is there a future for this Scott T character?
1: There might be. There might be. I mean, they've not said like, and welcome to the full-time cast of Star Trek, strange new worlds. Uh, because they're forbidden from making such announcements right now. You have to imagine that if we weren't in a duly struck environment, that there would be the celebration of Scotty Season 3, a now full-time engineer of the Enterprise. Um, We had hinted at it with the voice, albeit in the seven-year flash forward in the Season 1 finale, Uh, And now to get it, it it feels like the right thing to do. Matt, we know he makes it. I want to talk about more death.
0: Well, before we move on, Pete, I want to ask you a serious question because I read. Oh, yes. I read about.
1: Ask me this serious question that some people seriously are grappling with. Please.
0: Pete, there are some people on Internet that are very hurt by the casting of actor Martin Quinn. Uh, Pete, it's not because of anything Martin Quinn has done, but it's because Martin Quinn was born in Scotland, and there are Star Trek (sighs) fans who are upset because traditionally, Scotty is not played by a Scotsman. And furthermore, I have read online, there are people who think that he's too Scottish to do funny Scottish things and to understand the humor of the Scottish accent. This is true that I have read this online. So Pete, I ask you, are you hurt by a Scotsman playing a Scotsman?
1: Wait until they find out he has all of
0: his fingers. Pete, do you think that maybe Star Trek should do an episode addressing this kind of thing? What if Star Trek had a character who had to deal with his background and whether he was authentically enough one or the other do you think star trek could explore such a thing and maybe take fans through the idea that we don't need to do racial purity tests here it'd never work would it uh pete bring it to death i have i have i have a pedantic question or two to go after but but take it a bit more into to firmer ground here
1: so we have several characters that get uh Carbonated off in the transporter to the Gorn. Right? Uh, who's safe? Who's not? Clearly, Umbanga, right, shows up in the original series. He's safe. Okay, but uh, and and Sam, who dies in the original series, right? Chatner with the mustache, seen dead. He is safe, so he can die later on. (laughs) We have two that are in uh, yellow alert for sure in Laon, okay, and also in Ortegas. And for much of this episode, Matt, after finally getting to go on the uh, landing party, after having the big moment that she did a hundred times in the... Klingon war helping out Umbanga. Oh, you should see uh, Chapel's impression of me. hmm. and then fridged off at the end here beamed up. Let's go back to the crossover Matt, where Boimler called Ortegas a war hero, but did not specify of which war. The assumption, of course, the Klingon War, but not perhaps the unspoken about, soon to break out, the gone war in which maybe in the season premiere or after, still as a captive, she might make the ultimate sacrifice.
0: I am really worried for Ortegas right now. I would be dubious at the threat that Strange New Worlds would kill off a series regular but they did it with Hemmer, uh mm-hmm. and they did not in my opinion bring back Bruce Horak uh this season to the degree that I thought that they would have I, I fully well, expected
1: I, I disagree with that and he he played a, a flashback of his character he played a Klingon like you you got him in twice in theory though not in amount you got more uh Bruce Horak
0: true I have to admit though when he got I mean I think of when there was the initial kind of character and actor reveal video back whenever it was and you sit and go oh here are all these here are all these people they're naming their characters and so forth to find out you know oh wow Bruce Horak who I don't you know did not have a lot of knowledge of Uh, I think even at the time maybe he didn't have a Wikipedia entry something like that and to do a little digging and go wow this guy's an actor he's he's Canadian based oh he's he's got visual impairment so we're kind of being inclusive here in the Star Trek way fast forward to when he gets killed off what episode seven or so of the first season my assumption was okay he'll be back and he could be back as He's now Andorian guy, or he's now, you know, uh, all covered in purple paint or whatever it is. Uh, yes, we did get him, but the kind of, you know, and that's a wrap for Bruce Horak. And then he comes back a little bit in the next season. That took me for it took me by surprise. So for you to say, essentially, if I'm, if I may reword what you said, Pete, for you to say, they may do the same thing with Ortegas and kill her off in the early part of season three. And fine, maybe she returns in a flashback or a hologram, uh, you know, gem kept on a desk a la Data and Tosh and all of that, you know, but to say, D- is this show capable of killing off a series regular? Well, in my mind, they did it. <laughs> they did it in the first season and they may be teasing it a little after the end of the second season. So I, I share your fear. And that's, uh, that's on the theory sensors with great trepidation.
1: My worry, too, that Chapel's going to get a chance to do her Ortega's impression at some form of memorial Um, and hence granting this Gorn war hero status. She'd be a hero of two wars. But Matt, let's talk about the Gorn and their uh, fear of vaccinations.
0: Yes, notable. And obviously, a, a, a choice was made that in this season, which was still shot under COVID protocols, uh, despite the fact that none of the cast or crew were masked as per regulations required uh, at the series premiere, which we attended in New York. Um, nonetheless, on set, it was still COVID protocol and so forth. So very aware of those protocols as they're writing this, as they're shooting it and so forth, and to have it said not once but twice, but they're there to give vaccinations, they're there to give inoculations, they're wrapping up the last of the inoculations, and, and who comes and attacks these vaccinated uh, colonists but the Gorn.
1: They are the coronavirus metaphor. A yeoman referenced here, tells. Yeoman, uh, hey, you better make an appointment with that uh officer next time so that you know we can have uh the the time over the pad there, Pike. Um, are we potentially paving a way eventually for Yeoman Rand?
0: Ooh, that's interesting. Um, I mean, if they want to reimagine the Yeoman Rand character, I think that's a, that's a place. That's a place that, uh, would benefit from a, a modernization. I, and you know, no disrespect to how the first 13 episodes of classic Trek used a Yeoman and the idea of Kirk needs a pretty woman to dote after him. And he's too busy to look after her. And she's going to lovingly follow him like a, you know, like a little puppy dog there's a time and a place where that made sense. And that's no longer, that's no longer what Star Trek is about now. So if you want to, you know, add a female cast character, a female character to the cast, Pete, I don't know if maybe because your theory of having one less female character happens and you have an opportunity to slot in another character here. um, You know, it doesn't take away the same thing kind of with the Gorn stuff I was saying earlier. It doesn't take away the the worst of star trek from the 60s it doesn't take it away to just go back and say we're not erasing that we're not kelvin timelining that but we are going to revisit it we're not going to be constrained by set decisions made in 1964 at a lesser uh at a lesser studio and how you build a command center for a future spaceship we're not going to be 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 Trapped by that as we make a brand new Star Trek show in in the 2020s. Similarly here, you want to get a brand new Rand, brand new old Rand? Let's go for it. It's a little
1: difficult to believe that April would just take the word of Pike that he's not going to let his feelings for uh, Captain Patel get in the way, that he'd be the best choice with a conflict, Granted, it's an emergency, and we're never told, like, Enterprise is the closest to respond. But it's just like, hey, maybe Captain Smith, who could look at this a little bit more objectively, he go in and, Pike, you maybe think good thoughts and we'll let you know how it goes.
0: Um, I mean, obviously, willful suspension of disbelief, the, the Captain Smith in the whatever ship. Show that's not our focus here, but um, if I'm going to get inside April's head, you know, we've been told time and time again the Enterprise is the best and brightest, Pike is the best and brightest. I think that I think that April can be told, April can tell himself, Pike has assured me he's gonna be professional, he's always professional, he is our best and brightest, the cream always rises to the top, and so forth. Uh, and what I think is a really fascinating contrast, I, I stick by my interpretation in this episode in the beginning uh, and in the end that Pike is ill-suited for this situation. And I don't think that that diminishes the character in any way. We've had decades of the Star Trek captain who always knows what to do and always knows how to do the mental math. And if it means losing one person in the torpedo bay to save the whole ship you know you do that and you don't show a funeral next week is a brand new episode pike is in my mind pike is falling apart at the end of this episode here i think that that is kind of foreshadowed throughout whenever we get episode 301 i will be disappointed if pike's confusion at the end is merely to give us uh, to be continued and i will be disappointed if we get a recap and him frozen what do we do looks at the camera now the conclusion, and he—I'll I'll be disappointed if he says, "All right, now let's uh, shield harmonics and let's do this and let's through the deflector and bing, bang, boom." And now we have a Gorn killing Ray. Like I would like to explore what happens when this great man of peace, which I think is a piece that we all—we uh, all try to grow towards—this great man of peace faced by evil, faced by war, faced by these negative things. What happens when the the cream can't rise to the top? I think that's an interesting place for episode 301 or or much of season three to look at.
1: I mean, listen, all the solves are in this story and in the right way. There's no deus ex machina that's going to be... And then the Federation fleet arrives, okay? It's the news of... They're drawn by coronal mass ejections; hence, we need to do something there to make them swarm away. Scotty or
0: has his box, the device to fix. that's
1: yeah. gonna hide them in plain sight, and they'll they'll limp off, only to later trigger the the device, and and you've got to get our people back, right? Like it's it's the multi tiered threat. And you would assume, too, that that's all got to happen in one hour of TV. Um, so, you know, all right, hey, we do the light ray thing and then we, we do that. I completely agree with you that it can't just be Captain, Captain, what should I do next? Pike snaps out of it. Cue Scotty's device. Like, it, it can't happen like that. Um, and it's a... It's not a character building moment. It's a character growth moment in that, you know, his girlfriend is in sick bay and has been sedated and is behind a containment field so that if the alien pops out of her chest, it's not going to kill anybody.
0: Pete. Let's talk about something a little less serious here. Okay, there had been debate all season as to whether the USS Cayuga was a Constitution-class ship or the very similar-looking Sombra-class. Don't forget the Sombra-class shown in the episode where Hammer died, made of the same parts of the Constitution. So, Pete, let's get you officially on the record here. The late, great USS Cayuga, was it Sombra-class or Constitution-class?
1: 100% Constitution-class.
0: You are correct, as per on-screen displays, which were not completely legible. But art director Tim Peel has put them on Twitter. Um, it's interesting, by the way, how there still is this Star Trek rule of you know on-screen is canon and not on-screen is not. But to have the art director share a high-resolution image of something that you couldn't see on TV—that's considered ninety-nine percent canon. So and that's a that's a an observation, not a complaint. But Pete. You are correct, the Cayuga, officially a Constitution-class ship.
1: The Spock Chapel uh, ship here, Matt, also uh, paused until we resume in season three. Listen, we all know where it's ultimately going to go, but that they've done this in five-episode blocks here. Oh, first five of the season— We'll build tension, but he's an honorable man. He's got a fiance. Oh, wait, what? They're, uh, you know, putting things on pause, opening up space for this relationship that may or may not have run its course.
0: Well, and that's perfect timing there because I wanted to do some timeline tidying here. This episode takes place in 2259. We know of course the chapel is gonna make her way to Dr. Corby at some point. Um, they fall in love, they get engaged. Dr. Corby goes missing. Actually, his human body dies, but he goes missing in 2261. So in my mind, yeah, you know, maybe this is December 20th, 2259, and maybe he goes missing January first, twenty-two sixty-one. So you're thirteen months away. Maybe maybe you're at you know, at the outer edges of those two years, but there's enough time for us to, you know, in, in the beginning of season three, for us to have this storyline resolved and so forth, spend an episode or two doing that, still have her go away. Maybe she's not in an episode or maybe you say three months have gone by and Chapel is back um, and she's got news. She's engaged, you know, whatever it is, there's there's enough time there. Um, and one really has to think, I mean, season three is the time to at least get her away meet corby fall in love come back engaged i mean that that's the season to do it
1: that's just the thing i have here on my
0: season three radar is roger corby with that let's open hailing frequencies
2: hailing frequencies open sir
0: to twitter yeah we're still calling it that we go uh where the poll was this pete which aspect of the episode brought the biggest surprise? Uh, getting 0% of the vote was that character's clock, uh, which is the Captain Patel clock, 0%. That bridge, Big Bad, the reveal of the full-size Gorn. 2.4%. That ending, mind-blowing, 22%. Uh, the biggest surprise, though, that young man, Scotty himself, 75.6%. Uh, some replies here on Twitter, JT Adkins, JTAs me, says as follows. What an amazing show that successfully executes so many different tones. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed this one. Sure, it's improbable that the one survivor on the disc was Chapel, but I'm happy about it nonetheless. The Midwestern Town Colony sure the studio backlot saves money but i also think it's a nod to tos and given it's sitting on the edge of forever includes a glimpse of floyd's barbershop from the andy griffith show i love that our heroes retreat to a barbershop wasn't expecting scotty but welcome scotty as a kilt-wearing bagpipe playing albophile i was delighted in this first scene to realize that he's being played by an actual scott uh thanks to the glottal stops if nothing else I mean, I completely love James doing Scotty, of course, and I got a kick out of Simon Peggs as well, but it's nice to have a Scottish Scotty. Uh, I love how throughout Scotty is enjoying showing off his brilliance while also clearly understanding this isn't all fun and games. Stick around, Laddie. Please remind me uh, if they had started production for The Strike uh, for Season 3. In any case, it can't come soon enough. Indeed, Pete, that reminder that definitively the day the writers' strike Uh, started productions uh, pre-production stopped and filming which actually was going to start on that day filming never started we hear from diana bodenberg who says as follows that's how they end the season oh man they know how we'll have to wait until ne- uh, who knows how long we'll have to wait until next season the smile on Ortega's face in that shuttle was killing me there were some really great surprises very exciting ready room was good this week too will visits legacy effect who created the gone and stranger worlds really interesting highly recommend uh, next pete we hear from spiderham lincoln at tess lc 139 uh hegemony was an uh, intense thrill ride from start to finish it's pretty safe however to put the characters in story jeopardy uh when we know they'll survive pike spock chapel and benga but there's some who could easily buy the farm and not live to see the end of this cliffhanger uh una ortegas laon Batel. um i'm sure that won't happen to all of them but one or two might not make it i love scotty's intro and hope he'll stick around for season three but not to immediately replace pelia once she's ready she can hand him the reins so to speak until then he would make a good sam kirk level supporting character while this episode and the season as a whole are really great i think this show in particular suffers a bit from having only 10 episodes per season By comparison, Discovery had 29 episodes by the end of its second season. I know that Lower Decks and Picard have 10 episode seasons. I just wish Strange New Worlds could have more. The best of both worlds wait for part two is about three months. Hopefully, this sequel will be less than a year away. And uh, Pete, time will tell. Obviously, a very live and active situation there.
1: can only hope all sides can come to an equitable agreement and uh, get this great show back on the air as soon as we can.
0: KCLYLE1 on Twitter says, no spoilers, amazing again. The show is just phenomenal. Crossover to the effects of war, to a musical, to this incredible episode. And now hopefully 2025. I'll chime in later for the wrap up so it's not ruin it for anyone, but I have some things to say and ask. Looking forward to that discussion. Uh, At Gunner JCH says, I guess they fridged Battelle futuristically instead of figuratively. If it weren't for the current situation, I would say she's now in the safe zone. But who knows how this hiatus would impact contracts and plans, Uh, uh, which Pete is a really interest. That's that is maybe the biggest threat to Battelle. By the time dust settles, does somebody come along and say, hey, we would like you to star in such and such versus. Hey, you have a contract already for season three, which probably Pete the contract would already be in the current contract that she has for season three. Probably would win out, but that doesn't prevent her from saying, "Hey, in the downtime, somebody came to me with a new idea. What do you think, Star Trek? What can you do to help me out?" You know, they're not necessarily going to kneecap her career and say, "No, you got to stick to your three episodes." You know, so I think that's a really fair—that's a fair threat to the character there. Right? It's
1: you know recurring actor versus special guest star at this point i would think
0: uh gunner jch also says do you think they filmed part two no no no, pete he's not saying um a la strike stuff the note here voyager used to film cross season two-parters at the same time uh that would if they had planned ahead that would be really if, that far that would be really great what have you heard pete they have not filmed a frame past what we've seen last tweet here from brett desmo williams at bw desmo loved the episode had me waiting for an epic death that didn't come i did feel that as long as it was there was a lot on the cutting room floor gorn issue no way uh gorn issue they're gonna have to start leveling up the smart so far there's no way these lizards created warp travel pete i think just part of the mystery of uh of how these creatures have made their way into the galactic stage
1: it was trying to you know, enter a command code. So, you know, it's got a space suit. I think the ones we've seen are kind of like the intermediary long tail having Gorn, not the, you know, caveman Toga wearing arena Gorn.
0: Pete, what do you have there on Facebook?
1: Uh, Josephina Avalos wrote into last week's post for episode 209, Subspace Rhapsody. I'm not a fan, pH, of musicals, but I kept re-watching Chapel's song. Eventually I got up and danced in my kitchen drinking cocktails too. LOL. Oh, I still feel for Laon putting herself out there. Girl, don't feel bad. You took the chance and dodged a bullet. Red flag. His sometimes relationship? F that, Lol. I'm over here dissing Kirk. This summer I went to Comic Palooza. I met and took a picture with William Shatner and Paul Wesley. It was
0: fantastic, y'all. That must have been absolutely wonderful there. Uh, and as to the the chapel song from the musical, it must have been a delight for the musical portion of the production to say we already have these two great sopranos and celia rose gooding and uh and christina chong here's um jess bush with a great alto voice and to write for her you know it's a it really is a a cracking song to the email inbox we go we hear from alan thomas who says this sure this show sure knows how to do a season finale two best episodes of the series the two season finales i love that scotty was one of pelia's best students with the worst grades i like this young version of the character by the way The accent does a lot of work to create verisimilitude. If this show's version of James T. Kirk sounded more like William Shatner, that would be welcome. Shouldn't they put Patel in the transport buffer stat? I thought for sure this would be an obvious callback. At a certain point, I realized this was going to be a season-ending cliffhanger, and I was like, no, a la the fish-shaking Darth Vader in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, Pete, great catch there from Alan Thomas. Why isn't Patel in the transport buffer? because they've done that with other characters and it's
1: just not the nature with this threat to do that
0: pete we go to stacy who says hi matt and pete first a couple of thoughts about uh, after last week's podcast a correction since i was confused as to why chapel would apply for another vulcan fellowship because i was ortegas not recognizing louis pastor in the moment not recognizing dr corby makes much more sense now and I can't believe I totally forgot about Carol Marcus and David, even when Kirk said something, said his sometimes person, Carol was pregnant, duh. Last thing, as far as subspace Rhapsody goes, I can believe people think this was not fitting uh, for the legacy of Star Trek. Sure, it is technically a one hour drama, but Star Trek has always had humor and has pulled uh, from other genres. I'm thinking of many, many holodeck episodes that were pure fun. Uh, I thought this episode was great and fit right in with Star Trek's legacy. Now on to this episode. What a lovely little community uh, puts me in the mind of uh, the Baku in Insurrection. Sweet conversation between Pike and Battelle. I appreciate her cutting him off when he starts to offer unsolicited advice. Uh, advice. Nice nod to the previous episode, not spontaneously breaking to song. A low bar to be sure. Wow, Gorn ships are impressive. Hugh, Pike lies well. Telling April Battelle being in jeopardy won't color his judgment. Well, that's an opening. I think I was in uh, tears for the credits. That's a record. I cried a lot during season two of Discovery. A message uh, from the Gorn drawing a line in the sand. Of course your crew will help you, Pike. Don't you know what show you're on? Oh, wow, (laughs) (laughs) Gorn-specific weapons. Uh, While I get they need these, it's disturbing to think about weapons geared to a specific species. Ah, the old uh, attach yourself to the back of a starter story and wait for them to to dump their trash ploy. Well, that's a good connection there. Ortegas, both happy to help and also thinking, sure. Now you take me on a landing party. There's some stellar piloting from Ortegas. Love her giving Pike a little sass. No backseat driving there. Pike, is that why? You, uh, it's why you brought her. Remember? Then he remembers and tells her she was born for this. Look at her face. That's joy in her work for sure. Hope is a choice. Pike's look to Laan when Kirk says there's a human life sign down the street is a uh, isn't, I told you so, but it's darn close. Oh, y'all, it's a trap. Montgomery Scott. I'm sure people knew he was going to appear this season, but one of the benefits of not waiting far into the fandom pool means they usually miss these things and get to be surprised. Pete, let me pause her words there for a second. Uh, How well known was this Scotty reveal?
1: I was completely unaware of it.
0: Maybe they learned from, they learned from, you know, the, the,
1: The Kirk thing,
0: the Kirk thing, by going to a going to what used to be a cornfield owned by the town, and where this fake uh, town, this you know, this fake Midwest uh, Main Street was built for the Reacher show. Um, again, part of it was for COVID reasons, but also you could have Scotty running around this entire outdoor indoor situation with a completely controlled environment, unlike downtown Toronto. Pete, back to her words here. Um, He ran from the Gorn Shuttle and survived because he is Mr. Scott. Love him explaining the CMEs with crayons on a diner table. Ortega's wanting to help, then bonding with Mbenga over their worry about Christine was sweet. Uhura and Pelia are a great team. Okay, it's all good. Spock is the one to place the rocket bombs, but why exactly couldn't human do it? Ah, Pike. Think he's going to sneak off on his own. Of course, Battelle is going to go with. I really like this version of Scotty. This whole sequence on the bridge with the Cayuga is so tense. Chapel inside, trying to survive and figure out how to alert Enterprise to her presence. Spock on the outside, clueless as to her plight. It was a very horror movie. Then, uh, when the flying, uh, the dying Gorn floated by Chapel, I thought it was going to pull a Balrog and grab her with its tail. Ah, darn, Battelle has been infected. Of course, Pelia knows Scotty. Apparently, she uh, she taught all the engineering students. Ah, I knew the transport lights looked different than those on the Enterprise. Now we're at war with Gorn. To be continued. No. Wow, what a way to end the season! So much tension. And I just have to say, Gorn are really creepy and gross looking. Props to whomever designed them. As always, though, with a bit, uh, though a little bittersweet today since it's the last episode for a while. Looking forward to your thoughts. That's from Stacy, aka Stingray, aka Trek Girl eighty eight on Twitter. This weight is going to be crippling, Matt we hear from Josefina Avalos, who notes, It sucks that we were left on a cliffhanger. I have this weird feeling they're going to kill off Ortegas. I know I keep saying that. I'm just desensitizing myself. In the beginning of the episode, when they were discussing a game plan, Ortegas finally gets an away mission. Pike's like, you've been wanting and asking to join. And she's like, why have I been doing that? Love seeing her pilot the free-falling shuttle. Pike was the only uncomfortable one. Looked like he was going to wet his pants. No judgment there. When we were flying into Iraq in our C-130, we had to do a free fall. I wasn't expecting it. I remember feeling like my brain was in my lap. Then it was on the ceiling while my body was still seated. Felt like an eternity. Apparently, it was a standard routine to avoid anti-aircraft missiles and radar, much like what Ortegas was performing. Pike is such a diplomat, always trying to build bridges. I don't think the Gorn are to be reasoned with. I think it would look funny seeing a bunch of lizards slash iguanas commanding a ship. Oh, when Chapel was hitting the glass calling for Spock, I was like, girl, you need to yell louder than that. Then that little whispering voice came in handy when Chapel thought she heard Spock entering the wrong access codes in the hallway. I would have been dead. Lon was funny when she said Captain Patel is tough. She can handle him. uh, She can handle the Gorn. I don't think the survivors had any plan except hunker down. Seems like they were just laying around taking naps, passing time. I can't believe they were transported into Gorn ships. No, Ortegas. This is probably where she gets labeled as the war hero hate being left on a cliffhanger. Now we're the ones hunkering down, taking naps, waiting for season three with that. I'll leave you with that's a lot of bogeys. Semper Fi and that from Josephina.
1: It's going to be fascinating
0: to see how they get out of this situation. With that, Pete, let's go to Admiral Fred in the Netherlands.
2: Hello, Matt and Pete, and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 10, the Season 2 finale. First off, coming back to last week's podcast, Pete said...
1: Kind of surprised to hear Fred be a little critical of it given I know he's a fan of Fringe, and Goldsman, their their 19th episode of the second season was the the musical episode, Brown Betty.
2: Well, Pete knows his Fringe. I recently saw, indeed, Brown Betty, not too long ago. And actually, Dave and Wayne from Sci-Fi TV Rewatch referred to this Brown Betty episode of Fringe as a link to... The princess bride because the storytelling by walter in fringe is similar to the grandpa in the princess bride by the way my wife in the meanwhile also watched the princess bride and switched it off after let's say 30 minutes because it also couldn't catch her and she is a fan of monty python Perhaps it's an American thing and perhaps there are a lot of references in it that we just miss or something like that. Okay, enough about the Princess Bride. Let's go into this final episode. Whoa, what a episode. Action packed and full of tension. Some people were thinking that Captain Battelle would die this episode, but obviously she didn't and the other one at risk was of course Chapel but yeah that's the disadvantage of a prequel we do know that she is in TOS so she had to survive and fortunately for Spock that the only one that survived the Cayuga is Nurse Chapel but story-wise it was okay. What didn't became clear to me is why Spock said he was the only one who can do it. So going outside and attach these thrusters to the saucer of the Cayuga. Perhaps it's because falcons are stronger than man, or perhaps because they have green blood. Whatever. But I'm happy that Patel survived so far which possibly promises that she will be back next season. And of course I want to see Melanie Scrafano back. That these baby or youngster Gorns are just savages and animals slash monsters. We saw an adult Gorn now but still I wonder how they can build spaceships and steer them and build spacesuits etc. But perhaps we learn that in the next season. Of course a terrible cliffhanger but that was announced. But I really wonder with these strikes what will happen and how long it will take until we get a next season. I watched the ready room where they showed a lot of the construction and operation of these gorns. Really really interesting and impressive also. lots, a lot of work. Okay that will be all for now. Possibly till next week in a wrap up episode. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Pete,
0: Fred raising a really interesting way to kind of frame how we view this show, frame it as a disadvantage that we know character outcomes for these legacy characters. Um, I think he is correct that when you tune in each week, I mean, there's not a show that is regularly killing off people a la Game of Thrones or that sort of thing, but it's a very fair point that you you tune in each week knowing that five or six characters are guaranteed to live this week, this season, into X year and beyond. Um, and that's just an interesting way to kind of frame it. That's almost a narrative disadvantage. I would
1: disagree. There's the comfortability of that that, you know, Spock's going to be around and Chapel, et cetera. Um, the new ones that you can bring in and it's always a welcome surprise to see a Scotty. I'm hopeful we're going to get a McCoy at some point. Um, But then the idea of, well, what happens to the ones we didn't know and you know how attached we feel to Ortega's and Talon that we're fearful for what could happen to them.
0: Pete, Some characters may be lost in the future, but our entire back catalog still there existing in the now over on our various podcast feeds. That's because of the support people show us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. And we could not do it without you. So as always, you get our thanks.
1: Every uh, contributor gets access to exclusive content, all sorts of levels to choose from and again what we're going to do heading into our 10th anniversary next month can't contribute this month get yourself over to apple Podcasts, leave us a rating a review could especially use that for our ahsoka podcast let the algorithm catch that as that show is getting ready
0: to stream matt Pete, as we hand off from Star Trek to Star Wars and then next month, Star Wars to Star Trek concurrently, how can people be in touch with you on social media? You can find me on Twitter and threads at Peter,
1: P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,700 followers on Twitter. Can't be wrong
0: and pete while i'm personally on twitter is looking back lost do be touch the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com. check us out on twitter instagram gmail and threads where we are fantastic geek as well but wait pete there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek all one word with the p
1: and the h like it today
0: the ahsoka preview final preview coming up this week the star trek stranger world season two wrap coming next star trek sunday with that pete I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I would never tell you not to hope.